0: You know, we started uh, talking last week about the fight. You know, we're in a fight every day of our life, don't you? We're in the fight, we are. And once you've named Christ as your Lord and Savior, you're in the fight, you recognize it. A lot of people don't recognize it. You're, You're either in the fight or you're a POW, you know. You're a prisoner of his war. You know, he tries to captivate us. I don't know if you knew this or not, but do you know the devil's a liar? Anything he whispers into your ear is a lie. He is a liar. And we've got to fight against that lying, you know, that takes place in him. The things he whispers in our minds and, and things like that. Well, let me just tie up the loose ends of the anger part. Just, just a couple minutes, okay? One night, George passed a breaking point, And emotionally, he exploded! He pounded the table and the floor. I hate you, he screamed at his wife. I won't take it anymore. I've had enough. I won't go on. I won't let it happen. No, no, no. That's what George said to his wife. Several months later, George woke up in the middle of the night and he heard strange sounds coming from the room where his two-year-old son slept. He went down the hall, stood outside the son's door. As shivers ran through his flash, in a soft voice, the two-year-old was repeating word for word with precise inflection, the climactic argument between his mother and father. I hate you! I won't take it anymore! No! 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 Said the two-year-old. In the middle of the night, we have to fight because the devil comes to kill, steal, and destroy any and everything that's pure and lovely and kind and noble and anything that's dear to us. He does his best to destroy it one way or another. And uh, lots of times he's convinced us there ain't no fight, there ain't no battle, but there is. There's a spiritual battle going on every day of our life. 1 John chapter 5, verse 4 says, for whosoever is born of God overcomes the world. That, when it says born of God, that means born again. You ever heard the term born again? It's in the Bible. Whoever is born again, overcomes the world. And the world is trying to destroy us. And whoever is born again, born of God, overcomes the world. How do we get born again? There's one word that's so important, it's the key to you and I being born again. It's called faith. You just gotta believe that God is offering you forgiveness and a brand new life. You just got to believe it and you got to receive it. And he says here, whoever is born of God overcomes the world. And this is the victory that overcomes the world, even our faith. And every time you've been in this building or you've listened to the Bible or you've read it or you've watched some Christian something, your faith increased, your faith grows. And the Bible tells us to fight the good fight of faith. And the battle that we have, it needs faith. It's a battle. And we got to keep our armor working properly. It is a battle. And he tells us here, and this is the victory that overcomes the world. It's our faith. And God has given us a book of it. And you can just get it all over you if you want to. But it don't work like this. It's got to go in here or here. You can't just rub it on. I wish we could, but it don't work that way. He says faith comes by hearing God's word. That's the way we keep our armor on, and that's how we stay on the cutting edge. And if we think we've already figured out every all the tactics that the devil's used, we're mistaken. He switches it up to try to blindside us. Listen to what it says here, Psalms one hundred forty-four, verse one. Bless the Lord who is my rock, my immovable rock. Bless the Lord who is my rock. He gives me strength for what? He gives me strength for war because every believer is in warfare. Whether you know it or whether you believe it or not, there is war going on. He says he gives me strength for war and skill for battle. He is my loving ally. Allies are good. He is my loving ally and my fortress. He's like my rock of Gibraltar. He, he's like a, a castle, if you would. That's what the rock of Gibraltar is. It is honeycombed w- w- with rooms, fortified rooms throughout this massive, massive, massive rock. It's a fortress. He said, He's my loving ally and my fortress, my tower of safety. That's what God is for us. My deliverer, he stands before me as a a shield. Why do you need a shield? Because somebody's taking shots at you. And we need to be shielded. And it says, and I take refuge in him and he subdues the nations under me. Oh Lord, what what are mortals that you should even notice us? Mere humans, that you should care for us. Now, I'm going to read this, what I just read to you once again in a different translation, okay? Sometimes you hear it, you know, from this side and you hear it from the other side. And you go, oh, wow, I didn't see that the first time. Psalms 144, verse 1 says, Blessed be God, my mountain, who trains me to fight fair and well. He's the bedrock on which I stand, the castle in which I live, my rescuing night. That's God. I like that. The bedrock on which I stand, the castle in which I live, my rescuing night. The high crag where I run for dear life. While he lays my enemies low, I wonder why you care, God. Why do you bother with us at all? All we are is a puff of air. We're like shadows in a campfire. He cares for us because he created us, and he just loves us. And that's why he sent his son Jesus to rescue us. He's crazy about you. But as we awaken in relationship, we find out we're in a battle, aren't we? Uh huh. We're we're in a battle. People are throwing things at me. Uh-huh. You need armor. You need shields, you know. We are in a genuine battle. 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 3 says, we are human, but we don't wage war with human plans and methods. The battle that goes on against us is not some, something some general thought up. And they're not using human weaponry. This is spiritual it is absolutely devastating and destructive and is way beyond anything a human could come up with. We are human but we don't war wage war with human plans and methods. We use God's mighty weapons. You mean God's got weapons that are better than what humans have got? Exactly. We use God's mighty weapons, not mere worldly weapons. Has anybody here recognized the devil's tempted you to do things you shouldn't do in the last week? And it takes weaponry. It takes a shield. And it takes something on the inside that says, "No." Coach is going, "No. That don't work." How many of you have done something again that you promised you would never ever do? We are in a fight. We're in a battle. There's a warfare for our soul to steal our faith and to leave us with anxiety and fear, worry, doubt, unbelief, you know. Anyhow, it says we are human, but we don't wage war with human plans and methods. We use God's mighty weapons, not mere worldly weapons, to knock down the devil's strongholds. (laughs) Yes, you can knock down the devil's strongholds if you have been trained to do so. God has given the most high-tech, advanced weaponry that will ever exist to tear down the powerful, deep, dark strongholds of the devil as he wrestles against our soul. I'm just telling you, just the way it is. Jones. John Paul, as a matter of fact, Jones... He was called the father of the American Navy. He was noted for his courage in fighting larger and better equipped fleets of ships. In 1779, he took command of the Bonhomme Richard, Poor Richard, which he named in honor of the Benjamin Franklin author of Poor Richard's Almanac. On September the 23rd, 1779, the Bonhami Richard attacked the British ship uh, Serapis, which was leading a convoy of ships. The ships came so close to each other that their masts entangled, and the cannon muzzles touched as they passed. After intense naval combat, which nearly destroyed the Bonhami Richard. The British commander yelled, wanting to know if the Americans were ready to surrender. And John Paul Jones responded. Does anybody know what he responded? We have to do a little history research here. That's it. I have not yet begun to fight. And that's what I believe God is raising up in the hearts and the lives of men and women who are believers who are beginning to fight for their families, beginning to fight for their loved ones, their spouses, beginning to fight for their community, beginning to fight for our generation. We're learning the weaponry. We are learning the armor. And we have not yet begun to fight. We've been in the fight, but we're learning more and more and more and just getting ready to unleash a whole lot more. Because God's given it to us. Why did he give us armor? Why did he give us weaponry? Was it so we could just play G.I. Joes in the sand? Or have something to dress up with at Halloween? No, there's a real battle going on. For our loved ones, there's a battle going on. And I'm not talking about something hocus pocus I'm talking about the real deal. Let's move on. When we have trained, when you have been trained and you've been conditioned and and God's at, at work and he's moving in you, you will not fear or you will not run from the battle. But more like what I've learned in the last several years about Marines, Marines have a history now, they may not always be so bright, but they have a history. When everybody is running from the battle, the Marines are running toward it. Hey, where are you at? Hey, where, where are you going? Marines have a notorious distinction that they run toward the gunfire. That's what they've been trained to do. That's right. That's what they've been trained to do is to fight them there so you don't have to fight them here. Does that make sense? Now, you say, "Well, are you talking about real fighting or are you talking about spiritual fighting? Let me tell you something. Spiritual fighting is real fighting. That's what causes all the other fighting going on. It's what goes on in the spiritual realm. We need to grasp a hold of that and take that to heart. Well, listen to what he says here. Ephesians 6.10, it says a final word. Be strong with the steroids that you can take Wait, I'm sorry. No, it says be strong by eating Popeye spinach. Yeah, I think it says. It says be strong with the Lord's mighty power. And then he tells us how to do it. But let me read you something in Psalms 24 first. It says, who is the king of glory? Does anybody know? Who's the king of glory? Anybody know his name? Jesus. It says, who is the king of glory? The Lord, strong and mighty. The Lord, what's that next word? Invincible in battle. Now, I thought I knew what the word invincible means, but I looked it up just to make sure. And the word invincible, according to the dictionary, says incapable of being conquered incapable of being defeated, incapable of being subdued. And the Bible says, the Lord, strong and mighty, the Lord who is invincible in battle, he is incapable of being beaten, the Lord. And he's on my side. And I, or should I say, I'm on his side. You know, I, I'm, I'm with you, you know. I am telling you, this is real. This is not just some kind of fairy tale stuff, something clever to talk about. This is what we deal with day in and day out. And when you do things that you know you shouldn't do, and you don't do things that you really know you shouldn't want to do, there's a battle going on there. It's raging inside of us. And there are more things that has been turned loose and released upon us to preoccupy us so we can forget about God and what God has in store for us. A of kinds of stuff's going on around about us right now. Well, we just read there where it says a final word, be strong with the Lord's mighty power. Verse 11 says, put on all of God's armor, all of God's armor, so that you will be able to stand firm against all the strategies and tricks of the devil. For we are not fighting against people, made with flesh and blood, just throwing some little lead bullets this way and that way and tanks and missiles and airplanes. We are not fighting against people made of flesh and blood. We are fighting, but against the evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world, against those mighty powers of darkness who rule this world and against wicked spirits in the heavenly realms. Therefore, put on every piece of God's armor so that you will be able to, what's that word? Resist the enemy. Are you successful right now when he tempted you to do something? Were you able to resist him today? 100%? Is there a battle going on? And the devil is extremely patient. destroying our lives and what is dear to us. And I am telling you, you can enter the battle and say, no, I ain't giving up on that. I know. I'm just telling you what the word says. He says here in verse 13, therefore put on every piece of God's armor so you will be able to resist the enemy in the time of evil. He comes at us, and we don't always resist, do we? We're not always successful, and and, and his tactic is well, tempt us with a little something, and then a little bit something bigger, and a little bit something bigger, and a little bit something bigger, and a little bit something, and and then something gigantic. You see, that's the way it works. And he says, and then after the battle, the latter part of verse thirteen. Then after the battle, you will still be what standing? How? standing firm if you got on all the armor. I just got a helmet on. That's all I need. No, it's not. We need all the armor because there's a battle and if God gave us armor to cover all of us, it means that all of us is going to be having things thrown at us or shot at us or something or another. And he goes on to say in verse 14, stand your ground. Stand your ground. Putting on the belt. Of truth. And you know that belt of truth? That's what your sword hangs on. And other parts of your armor are attached to it. That belt of truth is so, so, so valuable. Let me read you something in John 17, 17. Because every piece of the armor of God... And you've seen soldiers have on armor, right? Some of it's made out of leather. Some of it's made out of metal and all. But the armor of God, every piece of the armor of God has been fashioned and molded from the Bible, from God's Word. When you open God's Word, it's strengthening some part of your armor. That's just the way it is. And it says here in John chapter 17, verse 17, it says, make them holy by your... By your what? Truth. Truth. Teach them your word, word, which is truth. truth. It's called the, the belt of truth. The belt of truth is molded from the word. Teach him your word, which is truth. When you get into this book, it helps you get your, your belt the right size. Is that important to have the right size belt? Yeah. Absolutely it is. So he says here, verse 14, stand your ground putting on the belt of truth and the body armor of God's righteousness. It's a breastplate of righteousness. It covers the front. It covers the back. It's one of the most powerful and heavy parts of the armor that we have. And it hangs down. And it protects us. And it's the breastplate of righteousness. And it's formed out of God's word. Listen to what it says here in Romans three twenty two: We are made right. Righteous. Made right with God. We are made right with God by placing our faith. Faith comes by hearing the word. In Jesus Christ, what does the Bible say? And Jesus. It says in John, it says, and the word of God was made flesh and dwelt among us. The righteousness of God is made from the word. And it says we are made right with God by placing our faith in Jesus. And this is true for everyone who believes, no matter who you are. So we see the, the belt of truth is made from the Word. We see this, uh, this breastplate of, of righteousness here, this body armor of God's righteousness is fashioned and molded from the Word of God. And, and verse 15 goes on to say, For shoes, and it, a better rendering here, because sometimes you're picturing what, My wife is wearing, can I borrow one of those? Would you throw that at me or to me? (laughs) It wasn't wasn't just a little sandal. It was more like a boot that had these greaves, these bronze pieces of metal and leather that went up above them to protect their ankles and their legs and their feet. It was more like boots. Here you go, thank you. It says here, and put, and for shoes or for boots, put on the peace that comes from the good news so that you will be fully prepared. Are you fully prepared if you don't have your shoes or your boots on? How many of you have got really tender feet right at this moment? And if I ask you to hike up my mountain with me and I ask you to do it barefoot, you, I want to, but I just can't do it because I'll fall down because your feet are too tender. Is that Right? So, so you, you're not fully prepared unless you got something on your feet. And these boots, if, if you'll study the armor in God's Word and you'll study it culturally, these boots had sharp spikes on the bottom of them. You didn't slip and slide with these things. and It was also part of your weaponry when you had an enemy underfoot and you stomped him. He didn't like the way it felt. And the Bible says here, let me read you Psalms 119, verse 165, and keep in mind the boots of peace. Those who love your instruction, it's talking about what? The word of God. Those who love your instruction have great peace and do not stumble. stumble. It's talking about these boots. Those who, who love your instruction... The boots of peace are fashioned from the instructions of God. It's fashioned not from metal or leather. It's fashioned, when I'm in the Word, I'm getting better boots. I'm I'm getting my boots tweaked. I'm getting my, my spikes sharpened up. I'm getting the greaves, those bronze greaves that protect my ankle and my calf. They're being well fitted when I spend time in God's Word. And you cannot possibly have the whole armor of God on unless you find some time for this book. Because that's where it comes from. All the raw materials from the armor, for the armor of God, it comes from that book right there. And he goes on to say in verse 16, in addition to all these, we just got through reading verse 15, for shoes put on the peace that comes from the good news so that you will be fully prepared Verse 16 says, in addition to all these, hold up the the shield of faith. Now, I like some of the shields that we've used in dramas and all around here. But the shield that they're talking about is a shield that's more like a door. Now, if somebody's shooting arrows at you and throwing spears at you and all, what kind of a shield do you want? A little round one or do you want one the size of a door? I want a door size one. I really do. And my Bible tells me where faith comes from. And he says, here, the shield of faith. In addition to all these, hold up the shield of faith to stop. Not just to slow down, but to stop the fiery arrows of the devil. And the devil has been throwing fiery arrows at every one of you. He's been throwing them at me. Could you testify and say, I don't know where that thought came from. You ever had something like that happen to you? How did that get through? Well, we do know where it came from, don't we? It wasn't from God. Where did that thought or that action, how did that get into in my thought realm? How did that show up on the, 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 the TV screen of our mind? Where did that come from? And the Bible tells us here, the shield of faith stops the fiery arrows of the devil. And he tells us in Romans 10, 17. So faith comes by Hearing and hearing by the Word of God. The more of God's Word I hear, the bigger my shield gets. The the better I am at putting it in the right place, not just to defend me, but to defend my wife and my kids and my friends and my family and my community. And we can use our shield if we are increasing our shield. The Bible says put on the whole armor of God. And it's from the Word. And if you don't never touch this book, I can tell you, you were wearing children's armor, plastic stuff. It's made for a four-year-old child, and you weigh 200 pounds, and you got that little armor on. If you are not in this book, you don't have on the whole armor of God. And the devil's little fiery arrows are reaching you, and they're hurting you, and your friends and your family and all. We got to get in the book. And let the word of God fashion and make and and, and tweak and modify the armor so it fits well. So we can utilize it. Father, we hear this emergency vehicle off in the distance and we don't know what's going on. But it seems like somebody's in need. Might be somebody we know. Or it might be somebody with an emergency vehicle. Who knows that we pray and they just need a blessing. In either case, bless them. And bless those who are in need. And as they respond and draw them unto yourself, we ask. We ask you for a miracle to help them. In Jesus' name. And all God's children says amen and amen. It goes on to say in verse 17. It says, put on salvation as your, as your helmet. Is it important to protect your head? If your kids ride a bicycle, they make you wear a helmet. Years ago, I could ski anywhere I wanted to on any mountain, anywhere on the planet, and I didn't have to wear a helmet. Well, I didn't go skiing for about 10 years, and then when I came back, everybody on a ski slope has to wear a helmet. Why? How important is your head? Especially if you bump into a tree with it. It's pretty important, is it not? Well, the helmet is really paramount. It's like really, really huge. Bicycle, that's all you got to wear is a helmet. Motorcycle, all you got to do is wear a helmet. It's really, really important. And he says right here, put on salvation as your helmet to protect your brain, your mind, your ears, your eyes, your your, your mouth and all. Listen to what it says in 2 Timothy 3.15. It says, you have been taught the Holy Scriptures... You've been taught the Holy Scriptures from childhood, and they, the Holy Scriptures, have given you the wisdom to receive what? Salvation. The Scriptures have given you the wisdom to receive the helmet of salvation. The helmet is fashioned and molded from the words of God. And if we're in the book, our, our helmet is fitting us right, it, it's working for us, it's protecting us. You're not concerned at all because it will protect everything that's under it there. So it says in verse 17, put on salvation as your helmet and take the sword of the Spirit, which is, it's pretty self-explanatory right there, isn't it? The sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. Now, I was looking, we, we had some armor around here, lots of armor, but I didn't really find all the armor I wanted, but I... I always have a knife on me, but this is my little bit more adventurous knife. Just a little old knife, I know. It's just a little knife there. And, uh, but I have that often when I go up on my mountain with me and it does have a light on it, you know? And then uh, it has a little one so you can just see the trail that you're on and it has a fire starter right there and it has this little thing here to hit the fire starter with and it's got a sharpener. And I don't know if this thing is sharp or not. This means I gotta make more notes tomorrow if it's sharp, you know. If you got a knife, should it be sharp? I wonder what page that was. You may not get the whole message here tonight, I don't know, you know. But the thing is, I think this thing is pretty sharp, if I'm not mistaken. It's the sharpest knife I have ever had up to this point. Why do you have a knife? Protects you, but it's to cut things. Lions and tigers and bears, oh my, you can't get to me as long as i got a knife in my hand. All right, you reach out your paw, I cut it off. Stick out your tongue on me, I cut it off. That knife would do it too but you have a knife to cut things. Why do you have a sword? Why does the Bible say that you have a sword? And take the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. Why does God give you a sword? Why don't He just give you just only a shield? Because He intends you not just to be running from, but running to. You're running to the battle. On behalf of your friends and on behalf of your family, You're ready for the fight. And the Bible tells us to fight the the good fight of faith. Faith. That's what it's called, the good fight of faith. When you pray, you're fighting the good fight of faith. You're praying the word. And God's moving. And he's doing things. Because you're praying. That's the truth of it. Listen, Listen to this. Martin Luther had a dream in which he stood on the day of judgment before God himself. This wasn't a dream. And Satan was there to accuse Martin Luther. And when Satan opened his book full of accusations, he pointed to transgression after transgression. That's just another word for sin after sin after sin, of which Luther was genuinely guilty. And as the proceeding went on, Luther's heart sunk in despair. And then he remembered the cross, the cross of Christ. And turning towards Satan, he said, There's one entry which you have not made, Satan. And the devil retorted, And what would that be? And Luther answered, It is that the blood of Jesus Christ, God's Son, cleanses us from all sin. And at that point, what took place was, and the devil fled away. Because God's word is the sword of the spirit. And when you pray the scriptures, that's where your prayers get answered. Just praying, oh God, help me, help me, help me, help me. That don't guarantee nothing. And there's probably more doubt and worry and anxiety in there than there is faith. But when you say, Father, you said in your word, and you pray the word, and there's faith that rises up in you, and you take a rest. And when you're praying and speaking the word, you've drawn your sword. And he tells us that when we speak the word, he talks about even Christ, one day this sword will come from his mouth, and he'll destroy all the the enemies and the demons and the devils and all there's a battle going on and when you and I speak the word and pray the word and sing the word and read the word but when it's coming out of our mouth that's when it's pulled from its sheath and it's accomplishing what it was created for it says it right there in first John 1 7 but if we are living in the light of God's presence just as Christ is Then we have fellowship with each other and the blood of Jesus Christ, God's son, cleanses us from every sin. That's what Martin Luther quoted as the devil was making all these accusations against him. And he was feeling really bad because he had missed it. I don't think there's a person in here who doesn't have something that you don't want everybody else to know about. Is that true? And God forgives us and he cleanses us and he throws it into the sea of forgetfulness. And we need to become, we need to be conditioned. We need to be trained in the word of God. We need to have the full armor on. And so much of the time, we waste so much of our time doing nothing. And worse, we're we're, 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 we're doing the devil's job. We're just soaking up his stuff. And then we wonder why we can't pray in faith. Or wonder why we can't do this. Because we've just been soaking up his stuff all the time. And then we find ourselves way out of spiritual shape to do any fighting. Then it goes on to say verse 18, after all the armor, it's time to pray. Pray in the Spirit. And that's talking about connecting and beginning to pray in a way that is absolutely guaranteed to get your prayers answered. Pray in the Spirit. On Christmas and Easter, wait a minute, when do you pray in the spirit? At all times, all times, all times, pray in the spirit. And on what? On every occasion. When, when a fire truck goes by, pray. Oh, when the fire trucks aren't going by, pray. On every occasion, when you go home before you go to bed, when you get up, we have a little pool in our backyard, and, and to my knowledge, ain't nobody ever went in that swimming pool without praying first that's just what we require is that okay all the time on every occasion before you eat after you eat pray pray in the spirit at all times and on every occasion stay alert and be persistent what's persistent mean all the time you just don't ever give up you don't ever quit you ever had a mosquito after you that's persistent. Where'd you go? And he says, be persistent in your prayers for all believers everywhere. Not only for the needs, but we should be praying for the guys over in Ethiopia. We should be praying for all the people in this church and other churches and all for the believers. So they, we come alongside the believers because they're in the battle too and strengthen them so they can succeed at what they're doing. So what we need to do. We need to condition ourselves. You know, how many of you, if you say, well, we're going to go jog today or go hike the mountain, how many of you could say, I'm not ready because I'm out of condition? You know what I'm saying? Could we possibly get in condition? Yes, we could. And spiritually, we need to get in condition to fight. Because there is a battle going on for real Time is kind of getting away from us here. Well, I think we did this last week. That's good stuff there, too. Man. Well, I wanted to tell you something else. We'll stop with 1 Timothy six 12. We've already quoted it often. It just fight, says, fight the good fight of faith and lay hold on eternal life. Fight. God's word says to fight the good fight of faith. Don't fight the fight of doubt. Fight the fight of faith. Believe. He says fight the good fight of faith. Fight for yourself. Believe what God says. Fight for your family. Fight for your neighbors. Fight for your loved one. Fight for your country. Fight for believers all over the world. Fight the good fight of faith. Pray and believe and expect. So, well, I'm struggling with this believing stuff. If you'll get in this book, you won't struggle with it so much. I can tell you that. There's a lot of stuff that we soak up every day. It just brings doubt and unbelief into our lives. But you soak up this and you'll find, wow, I'm getting pretty good with that thing. My shield is bigger and more powerful than I ever read. All them fiery arrows are being stopped and I'm protecting other family members with my shield. Live the word. Speak the word. Believe the word. Pray the word. Now I want you to know something. I've I probably told you this once before, but I used to be pounded. When I was in junior high school, I was pounded, and I'm I, you know, we never heard about bullies. I knew a lot of bullies, and I don't know why bullies picked on me. And it wasn't funny, and it wasn't cute. But I felt genuinely like I had this invisible target on me that said, pick on me. And people picked on me when I was in junior high school. And I got beat up a lot. And you won't know how many times, my mom was probably listening to this sermon, and she don't know all about this, but she how many times I called my mom. I was sick or I wasn't feeling good, and she came and picked me up before school was out because I had already been threatened that I was going to get beat up after school. I'm just telling you, there were bullies in the school I went to and I was on the wrong side of it. And I wasn't a fighter. And I got pounded a lot. And then as I was in junior high school and I had to ride a school bus and some of the bullies rode the bus I rode. And I remember this bully was picking on me. He's from senior high. He's picking on me and pounding on me. And it's just like something rose up inside of me that says, I just can't take it no more. And I decided to fight back. And I'm going to tell you, I'm not teasing you either. And I'm not necessarily proud of it. But it was blood all over the place when it got done. And what, none of it mine. I'm telling That's exactly what the school bus kids did. They applauded. The bus driver sat me alongside of him on the stairs where the kids are not supposed to see, said, his name was George Player. And he said, You did a good job there, buddy. When you get home, have your mama put a stake on that eye, okay? It's the last time ever have I ever been beaten up by a bully. And I'm gonna tell you something. The devil is a bully. And he whispers in your ear that if you fight against him, he's going to make it worse for you. I'm telling you right now, he's making it as worse as he possibly can for you already. And God has given us armor where we can stand up and say, I ain't going to take it no more. And you begin to pray in faith for your children and for your spouse and for your workers and for your church and for people who are in trouble, you begin to pray the word of God. You speak the word, and that's like slashing that sword across there. And every demon and devil in hell backs away. They get way off in the distance, and they just shoot their fiery arrows because they ain't going to get close to you. And you just got your shield of faith there, and it absorbs every arrow, and not one of them gets through to you. I am telling you the gospel truth. You and I need to put on our armor. How many times have we been lulled into just slowly, slowly over the weeks and after the months and the years and we, we allow things that we never would have allowed before. The devil has just lured us off course. So there is no faith. There is no fire. And we don't even recognize what has happened. And we have become a POW, a prisoner of war, instead of in the fight. And I say we break out of all that and we begin to fight with well, everything that God has given us. God has given us armor and he wants to condition us by his Holy Spirit. So we begin to fight the good fight of faith. I'm not talking about people going to see you hostile out there punching other people. Not talking about that. But I'm talking about getting a hold of your armor and being trained and learning how to use it. So when you pull up your shield of faith, it does what it was made for. When you recognize things are coming at your mind, you got a helmet of salvation, and it's doing what it was made for. And your breastplate of righteousness is protecting your front and your back. And your feet, you're not going to slip, you're not going to stumble, you're not going to fall, because you got these sharp spikes on the bottom of it, and you can climb, and you can kick. I am telling you, the armor that the Bible talks about was not just some clever analogy so it would inspire us to something. It's like, no, put it on, and you don't. I know a lot of people, it's okay to act it out when you get up in the morning, I put on my helmet. I don't take mine off, I sleep with it on. You ever had bad dreams at night? Keep your helmet on. It's very comfortable. Well, I just put my sword over there. No, sleep with it. It's comfortable there. I'm talking about on a spiritual level when you pray. Now our time is up. I don't know how that happens. I think somebody's messing with our clock. (laughs) But we want to continue to talk about this. And I want to talk about the helmet a little bit more next week. I want to talk about the area that really gets a hold of us first. Because I'm going to tell you, I was beat up in my mind before a bully ever touched my body. And I believed I deserved being beaten up. And I believed that I would always be beaten up. And I believed that I couldn't do nothing about it or they would beat me up worse. And it was a lie from the pits of hell. And you got to stop listening to what the devil says. And listen to what God's word says. And you get in this book and I'm going to tell you, if you read a chapter, does anybody know what the date today the is? The first. the first. You should at least read a proverb every day. On September the 1st, you read Proverbs chapter 1. On September the 2nd, you read Proverbs chapter 2. There's 31 Proverbs. You can read one proverb a day and get through the whole book of Proverbs once a month. That's a good way to start if you're not already doing it. You've got to make time. I promise you this. The devil will do everything in his power, everything in his power to keep you from reading, looking at, talking about, hearing God's word. Because it changes you. It gets your armor fitted right. And it gets you in shape and it conditions you. And when you yield your life to the Holy Spirit and he begins to condition you and enable you to fight, then it begins to change things. How many of you would like all your prayers to be answered? What you're willing to invest Time? Time in the Word of God? So many things I want to share with you, I just can't write at a moment. But I'll promise you this if you spend more time in this book than you ever have before, you will be coming and saying, Pastor Ron, you just won't believe what I'm going to get ready to tell you. And I'm going to go, oh yes, I will. <laughs> but I am telling you. This right here is what the armor's made out of. And he says, put on the whole armor. And you got to have this book. And you got to get this book on the inside of you. If you're going to have the whole armor on and it will change you and you will become a world changer. That's just the truth of it. Well, our time is up. Let's bow our heads together. Father, we come to you in the name of your son, Jesus. And we thank you for giving us armor we thank you for alerting us and awakening us that we, even as Christians, are not so meek and mild, but we're in a battle and we're in a war and you're in it with us. And Lord, you've given us the right stuff to fight it with and to protect us with. Lord, may it awaken inside of us and may we read and, and be challenged and excited on the inside as we see what you have called each and every one of us to do and to be. Lord, convince us by your word that we are of value, that you have a purpose for each and every one, man, woman, boy, and girl. Help us to discern all those lies that have been bombarding us for so long and help us to deflect those with the shield of faith and that we would be able to believe anything and everything that you ever say to us. Set our loved ones free who are in bondage right now. Set them free in the name of Jesus Christ. Our loved ones who are dear to us, who are captured by strongholds. And as we join our faith together, we put our shields together and we say those strongholds be broken in the name of Jesus Christ. And Lord, use us to change people's lives. Have your way. Before I go any further praying, let's just keep your eyes closed for a moment. But I think we need to drive a stake in the ground tonight there's some stronghold in our own lives, and God set you free just now from it. But I, f- I think that what we want to do for those that you feel the urge, I want to go to the next level in my relationship with God. I perceive that God is on the move, and I don't want to be left out. I'm willing to run to the fight and not just catch an arrow in my back as I run away from it. If that's you, and you perceive that God is challenging you to take a risk, and after all the battle is over, you will be standing your ground firm. And if that's you, and you you know if God's tugging at your heart or not, And it's not a right or a wrong thing to do, but if you sense that I just need to to stand, you just stand up right now as signifying that, yes, message received. I'm going to stand my ground. I'm not running no more. I'm ready to fight, and I'm going to get in condition, and I'm going to train so I can be counted on by the almighty God in the days and time in which we live right now. Father, you see the men and women who are standing in this place. And you see those who are standing downstairs in our overflow. And you see those who are in their homes or wherever they might be right now who are listening to this by uh, the Internet or on a DVD. And Lord, here we surrender ourselves. And we are ready for assignment, sir. And Lord set us free from everything that distracts us, that causes us to get off course. Yes, sir, we are here, sir, ready for assignment. Show us what you want us to do. Speak to our heart. Surround us with other believers of like mind and like faith so we can accomplish and fulfill what you put us here on this earth to do. Have your way and these men and these women and these boys and girls in this place. And let us reaffirm our faith in him right now. And there may be someone here today who does not know Jesus, and would you join us, and would you invite Christ into your life as we reaffirm our faith in him right now? Would you pray? Dear Heavenly Father, Father. I believe you love me. I believe he got a purpose for my life. And I thank you, Father, for sending your son. I believe he paid for my sins. He accepted your assignment. And he gave his life to set me free. I believe Jesus rose from the dead. And I believe he's knocking at the door of my heart. (laughs) And I receive him as my Savior. And I receive him as my commander. And I yield my life to you, Lord. Set me free, almighty God. From every stronghold. That tries to hold me back. Set me free, almighty God. In the name of Jesus. And may your will be done. In me. And through me. And help me to pray. Always. Always. On every occasion. Every. For every situation. Every. And help me to be persistent. Help. And pray in, pray in your word. In Jesus' name. Jesus name. Amen. amen. And amen. <laughs>